Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Stone Builders Hour with Pastor Gary, that's me, and my lovely wife, who was told she was very beautiful today when we were having uh, breakfast. Two women came up and said, this is the most beautiful woman that they have seen and, and wanted to know how old she was. And when she told her their age, they both fell out. So praise God. Elder JC in the house. Thank you. Thank you. I really received that this morning because I was in a fog when we started out. But Lord and behold, it's always a pleasant surprise when someone does give you a compliment. And I did say thank you. Praise God. And they wanted to know what was her secret. What is your secret? I had to say, me. And of course, that that stopped them oh. like a deer in the headlights because Pastor always has some comment to make. Oh, it was fun this but morning. Yes, though. it was. Because it started our day on a great note. So welcome, radio audience. We are glad to be here today. Um, also to our podcast family, we know we're reaching you and we'd like to hear from you. Missing you know. Me. Visit our website, weedlivingstones.org, or give us a call, a shout out, 850-219-0091, because the topics we're discussing, we'd like to hear feedback, as well as you may have something you might want to talk about yourself. Well, yeah, that's great. And you know what? I know why it's a good day? Because we have another Stone Builder partner that Yay. joined today with a $25 monthly gift. And we look forward to sending them their T-shirt. Praise right. God. Praise the Lord. So we are just happy to be here today. And, you know, last week, Pastor, we talked about the book of Enoch. I'm going to let you carry it from there. And then we're in for a good, not surprise, but a good session today on the books of the Apocrypha. Praise God. We know the book of Enoch. Uh, that was That's Enoch the Epiothean. Yes. Is one of the original books that not only part of the Apocrypha, but also quoted in the Bible because the Enoch is the seventh generation from Adam. He's the patriarch. He was the prophet. He is immortal because he was taken up by God himself and he is not only uh, immortal like Elijah was taken up by God too but he is by my opinion a superhuman and Hebrews 11 5 through 6 states by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death It was found because God has translated him. He was not found. And so what we're excited about is that you can go, if you missed that podcast, you can go to any one of our podcasts and put in the Stone Builders Hour and you'll see Pastor and I pop up. Praise God. Well, you know, Enoch was originally accepted in the Christian church with high esteem. And I just have to read this little uh sentence that was stated in the Sefer Bible, but its recent discoveries were copies of the book among the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we talked about that last time you pastor mentioned, you can hear it on a podcast at Quran, but it proved that the book was in existence before the time of Yahushua Hamashiach, which is mean Christ. And also those ancient ones who wrote those Dead Sea Scrolls. But the date of the original writing is kind of shrouded in security. But one of the things it says, it's in a word, old. So these were (laughs) old scripts and documents that were there. And he was held in high esteem because he was quoted by everyone. And even some of your uh, more current or even though it's ancient times, but Homer and Dionysius, these are people that we esteemed in terms of philosophy and history yes. and all of that. Well, they knew about Enoch. So many historians have paralleled much of the writings of Enoch to the New Testament writings. So those, I guess, if you want to say disciples or those who were the scribes at that time, knew about Enoch and actually put some of that information into the New Testament. Praise God. I reckon it is such great reading because it really captures a lot of stories because it really introduces you to 
all of them being alive, those seven generations were alive because Adam lived for nine. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, so. Uh, they lived know, a long time, hundreds of years. Uh, many of us are just trying to make it to 100. At least I'm trying to hit 120. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, Enoch, study the book, read the book, learn about it. Because, you know, some people say it's not a canon, but there's a lot of historical things and also answers a lot of questions. But this week, our goal is to discuss the various books of the Apocrypha. All right. You know, and, and, and this refers to the books that are not included officially sanctioned or canons of the Bible. And the Apocrypha basically means things hidden away, implying a secret literature. Well, I just have to put one caveat on when you say that they were not sanctioned as canon. Remember, no one, even of the Old Testament, knew about anything about canon. (laughs) So that is a current and recent phenomenon after you got the Council of Nicaea, because they determined what technically was going to be put in the Bible. So I just want to throw that in there, because Mm -hmm. if we had to look at all the Bible, none of it would be canon but it is the inspired word of God. He gave that message to the men to write it down on scrolls. So we believe it because we know God said he said he did it. And we believe that. And plus, like JC said, it was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And that gives you confirmation that the writings were, uh, were held in esteem by the ancients and, and Enoch is like for pre first century. Yes. BC. Superman, as we said last time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, we're going to be right back to talk about those books of the Apocrypha. So stay tuned. Don't change that now. Put on your seatbelt. Pastor Gary Montgomery with my lovely wife, Elder JC of Living Stones International, the sponsor of the Stone Builders Hour. We are about to launch on a new platform, iHeartRadio and YouTube. Now you get a chance to see what we look like. You don't want to miss it. So join us on the various podcast stations that we're already on. Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now iHeart. Praise God. Become a friend by sponsoring the program monthly with a $25 gift and receive your Stone Builders t-shirt today. Not tomorrow, today. We can't wait to hear from you. So contact us at 850-219-0091 or email us info, I-N-F-O, at we livingstones.org Welcome back with Pastor Gary, that's him, and me, Elder JC of the Stone Builders Hour. Well, you know, we've been talking about particular books of the Apocrypha, but we wanted to look at the entire collection, and there's still some controversy there because some say there's 14 books, I know I counted up what's in my Seaver Bible, and it's about 16. So there's some books that have many parts to it, but it's actually one book. So the Apocrypha is a collection, as we said before, of ancient books thought to have been written sometime between 200 B.C. and 400 A.D. So some written before Christ came, some written afterwards. But the Apocrypha is a selection of books published in 1611 in the King James Bible. It was there. And and like we said, we talk about we have an older Bible and it's there. It was placed between the Old and New Testaments. Correct. Whereas in many times, some of the Bibles, like I have the Seifer Bible, tries to put it into the particular space where the book belongs. But these books in relationship to time are placed between the Old and New Testament of the King James Bible in 1611. It contains maps and genealogies. And one thing about the maps that I thought was pretty interesting is they show when Israel got kicked out of Jerusalem 
And it also shows a path of Shem, Ham, and Japheth of what direction they went after the flood. So when we look at that and we see the direction, you can almost tell where nations were formed because they went into Asia, they went into Asia Minor, they went into Africa, and they went towards the Middle East. So those are kind of some great, yes, great readings and not only, but a great insight into their travels. But the Apocrypha, including the Book of Enoch, was part of, as we said, King James Bible for 274 years until they removed it. And, and why? I'm not understanding. But they removed it in the 1800s. So all our Bibles from the 1800s forward this King James. are missing the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know about the Apocrypha, you would think, oh, well, that's not part of our Bible, so it must not be correct. But just as in anything with history, things are removed, put in, taken out, and you have to study it yourself, Second Timothy 2.15, to show thyself approved and that you understand what the Bible is talking about. You know, the Apocryphal books, they relate to the lives of the various biblical figures that are in the Bible, such as uh, Adam and yes. Noah, Nimrod, including most of the apostles, their epistles, the gospels, also some mystical encounters with uh, fallen angels. And if anything, if you love fiction or mystery or drama, how about books, just stories? Storytelling. <laughs> That have been passed down orally and written. Yes. It might answer a few gaps that the Bible leaves out. You know, it really goes into detail about the fallen angels and how they uh, saw the women, earth women being fair uh, and then uh, creating children. And then next thing you know, you have the here comes the, Yes. And here comes the flood. But there are 14 books of the Apocrypha, and we'll review each one. And we're going to start with Ecclesiasticus. That's a good word. (laughs) Yes, not Ecclesiastes that's in the Bible, but Ecclesiasticus. This book was written around 180 B.C. It comprises proverbs and observations of witnesses two centuries before Yeshua. And you have to remember the time period you're in. They didn't have Kindle books. They didn't have tablets. They didn't have, they, they, their paper was made out of papyrus that they had to put together, let it dry out, and then they had to use ink or some form of uh pen that they could actually put it into words and could you imagine if that got wet Mm. Uh, you know they probably had to roll them out to make sure they were dry so this was a tedious process but the book resembles the wisdom literature of the old testament it represents one of the most precious records of ancient rabbinical thought and translated into greek in into greek in 132 bc and one of the things about it, it, as I said, it contains proverbs, maxims, sayings, and is largely large an autobiographical story. Solomon wrote it late in his life, approximately 935 B.C. He had become aware of the mistakes that he made yes. throughout his life. When and I began think to back over my life. Hey, he, he realized he wasn't doing all that God called him to do. But the purpose of the book is, Ecclesiasticus is to spare future generations the suffering and misery of seeking after foolish, meaningless, materialistic emptiness and to offer wisdom by discovering truth and seeking after God. It appears that Solomon once again wants to teach the reader wisdom. I set my mind to seek and implore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. And that was Ecclesiasticus one thirteen. So Solomon knew he kind of blew it on doing some things. And you got to remember the time period. He was known as the wealthiest yeah. man in all the world, all yeah. the known world at that time. The world. Yes. You know, a verse of 
how you say Proverbs, uh, one of the verses in Ecclesiastes kiss. <laughs> did I get <laughs> yeah, that close right? Enough. <laughs> did, did, did that list come through? Uh, like one fourteen says, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And it was created with the faithful in the womb. You were giving your wisdom at birth, and that's why abortion is wrong. Because that when life is created... Life starts at the beginning. There's no guesstimate about when it starts. It starts at the beginning. The fear... The Lord is fullness of wisdom and, and filleth men with their fruit with uh, with her fruits. Mm. To fear the Lord is fullness of wisdom and filleth men with her fruits. Huh. Mm. Interesting. That sounds like a proverb. It's not like Solomon is six hundred wives. <laughs> well or nine hundred wives. Yeah, a thousand? No, How many copies uh, does he have? What? <laughs> like nine hundred? So uh, that's one of the things that you you look at and you say how can any man service all of that? But we won't get into that right now. But chapter one and two of Ecclesiasticus. Ecclesiasticus. No, to kiss, to kiss. Kiss, okay. It, it deals with Solomon's personal experiences throughout his life. He describes everything he sought, sought was selfish, pleasure, and meant nothing internally. Generally, he speaks concerning the meaning of life. He says, as an example, I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon, the man who God gave the most wisdom, sought after, researched, and tried everything in an attempt to find lasting happiness. And then he came to this conclusion. This is now. This is not in in the Bible. This is in the, the apocrypha in Ecclesiasticus. I got it right. Yes, how about that? Yay! <laughs> oh, he says, "All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure." For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus, I considered all my activities, which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Well, you mentioned about wisdom, and if you relate that to the Proverbs that Solomon wrote, uh, it states that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And I read that from Proverbs 4, 7, so that we can see that there is a parallel that is also in the Apocrypha. So it's not differing. It's just making aware of how God inspired men through the word of God. Or man did not include these books in Solomon that was in the Bible. Correct. Because, because yeah. for some reason they thought it, it didn't meet with their standards. <laughs> mm, I wonder what God thinks about that. Oh, boy. Y'all have to go and read and see what led up to the Council of Nicaea and how they... Uh, it's not, hey, you know, we're just reporting what's out there in history, both written history, Bible history. And if you look at the history, that council and the sea, it changed religion. Yeah, it, changed. it is. It did. And we're changing it. It Sometimes we change or try to transform the word of God, but the word of God is true and will not, and will not stand change. Because remember, it says at the end that if we take out a thing or add to the thing, that God is going to do the same to, to us at the end. One of the things when you talked about vanity um, in Ecclesiastes ES, uh, 114, it says, um, I have seen... All the works that are done under the sun, and behold, you know what he said? Always vanity mm. and vexation of spirit. So if we think we have the big head or we think we know the word that way, you better keep studying because things can change. 
But in chapters, Pastor talked about chapters one and two, but in chapters three through five, Solomon gives common explanations and observations. One in particular is 515. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return. Wow. So you come in with nothing, you leave him with nothing. Speaking of everyone who dies takes nothing with him, no possessions, and in the end are ultimately useless. As tough as it is, our sinful nature naturally gravitates towards materialism. But one of the things I think that hit us the hardest, and I know we both agree on that, is when uh, Miles Monroe visited our church and spoke to our church of one of the things that he said that stuck a nerve with us is that there are too many people dying and taking their gifts with them. Yes, it's sad. He said the grave is full of unfulfilled dreams, dreams and ambitions yes. people didn't try or to fulfill it. Because God is waiting for us to do the work. He's not coming down. This isn't no lightning bolt and kinds of things. We have to do the work. And when we do the work, it produces what he says it's going to produce. He said, let there be light. And there was light. So it's the same thing with us. If we want the fruits of the spirit, we're going to have to study. We're going to have to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves. love him above all things with our, our entire mind, body, and soul. Once we do those things, we'll see the fruits of the spirit. And that's the key because many of you have gifts or talent. You want to start a business, but someone told you, oh, you ain't got no money. Why do you want to start a business? You know, stay in your job. You know, but I, 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 I have this product that I want to take to the marketplace. And, and so you listen to all those voices and you never take the step way and got step towards that dream. And you don't ever try. And that's what uh, Miles Monroe, I was thankful to be able to participate in some of his uh, sketches that he. Yes, uh, he was an amazing teacher and he made it so simple because when you think about it, if you go to every cemetery, even in your own hometown, just imagine all those little, what are they called? Tombstones. Tombstones. How many of those people did not fulfill their dreams? Yeah. That's scary. Yes. That's scary. Too real. Yes. You know, in chapter uh, six through eight, you know, Solomon gives the advice of having a meaningful life. And he states in uh, 713 of the Ecclesiasticus, consider the work of God for who is able to strengthen what he has been. Oh, that's a, that's a awesome God can, God can make a straight line crooked and a crooked line line straight. straight. Amen. Oh, God. In 9 through 12, he states, uh, writes a conclusion that clears up the entire book. Everyone will eventually die and all the deeds of man are vanity useless without God. Yes. Our obedience must be to him. And the conclusion is when all has been heard is... Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to everyone. Uh, one person. No, everyone. A hundred people. Everyone. So you hear that radio audience Ten and commandments. Follow audience. his commandments. Yes. That's what it takes. Oh, God. Repent. Sin no more. Be baptized. Walk with the Lord. Pastor, I think we need to take a break real quick and come back because we still got to talk about Maccabees and the wisdom of Solomon. And we just, there's a lot here that we need to get through. So we'll be right back. All right.
Big time to attend a real down-home auction with the family. Gospel Express Ministry South is hosting its 26th benefit auction Saturday, November 13th at the Lighthouse Children's Home, 7771 East Mayhem Drive in beautiful Tallahassee. Bid on Amish-made furniture, craft items, quilts, and tools. Farm fresh apples, cheeses, and other tasty treats like home-baked goods. Mm, good. Breakfast starts at 7.30 a.m. and auction at 9. Stay for lunch and enjoy barbecue chicken. For details, contact Merrill Detwaller, 850-447-2033, or Ken Stoner, 850-766-9191. See you there. Welcome back from the break, and I'm, I pray that you're enjoying this lesson on the Apocryphal books. And the next book we want to just go over briefly is The Wisdom of Solomon. And The Wisdom of Solomon, this is among the most precious books of the whole Apocrypha because it had been composed by a Jew uh, roughly around 65 BC and similar to the wisdom of books of the Old Testament. Mm. And it has been written primarily to fight the materialistic tendency of the canonical books of the Ecclesiastes. I say Ecclesiastes because yes. that's what it is. You know, this book is filled with magnificent architecture and replete with God's solid and spiritual nature. And this book is also also occasionally known as the wisdom of solomon okay so then that, and that, that's a good book you know and and if you think about the history we were watching um uh, uh, a historic movie and it had all these uh uh ancient type architectural structures in europe yes oh that's right we did it was like in europe it's like what wait a minute that means that the moors or the african people their architecture is in europe in churches and designs of community and sidewalks and all their building architectures that's why it's so important to learn and study well that was uh what we were watching was a uh movie that was filmed in the ukraine that's right. And we saw the uh, more effects and the steeples. And remember now, when we talked about uh, Enoch being black and there was that great migration, they moved out and they were artisans. They were builders. They were, uh, they knew about metallurgy. Yes. So about the minerals and gold. So, all of those buildings, what was unique to me, and that's why I know when we were looking at them, I said that had to be a brother design <laughs> because of the gold that was intricately formed around the steeples of these buildings. I mean, that took some ingenuity and yes. in the build and how it is. And those buildings are still standing today. And some of the, the figures of the people that have been laid within that architectural building, they were definitely of African descent. People of I mean, color. And this is in the Ukraine. Yes. So I have a different aspect on Ukraine, Russia. But when you think about Russia, that had an Islamic, Moorish, yes, or yes, African architectural and their main Kremlin buildings yes, and everything. Yes. So why do they look like that and not like St. Paul's Cathedral in Rome? All right now. Which is, and those buildings are older than St. Paul's Cathedral. Yes, they are. These are yes. century old buildings. Oh, yes. I just love this stuff. All right. <laughs> Well, we're going to move to talking about First Maccabees, and uh, part of that was it was written by a Jew in Palestine. Again, same people of color throughout the latter portion of the second century BC, and it is possibly the most significant historical source on the interval from one seventy five to one thirty five BC. It shows the root causes of the Maccabean Rebellion. You hear this because we didn't all go as uh, uh, slaves or taken into captivity. Sometimes we did fight back. And this rebellion details the revolution itself going down into the passing of Simon at 135 BC. The book is vital to both Jews and Christians. 
It provides detailed advice relative to Antiochus Epiphanes and his desecration of the Jerusalem temple, an activity which Jesus said could be replicated. And the book also includes details to the Holy Feast of Hanukkah. And, you know, Epiphanius was a bishop of Constantia, Cyprus. He was born near Palestine between 310 and 320. He grew up in a Jewish Jewish household, but he turned to Christianity when he was 16. He was a teacher and a friend of Jerome. And you know Jerome from the Bible. He was part of that that discipleship under uh, Christ, I believe. I have to go back and really check that for you. But he was during that same time period. So these men are, what's what's that, uh, when we do things together, we're working on projects together. They were conversing. They were having conversations. They were reaching out to one another to understand the word of God. So he was part of that Maccabees, not the rebellion, but he was part of that time period of the Maccabeans. And and that's why the Apocrypha would be good because this will fill in the gaps, gaps yes. for you. And uh, like that first story, that first Maccabees, it just as JC said, that story it kind of evolves around Antioch, Antiochus. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Is that Antiochus? And that's a bit of history. It's given in order to set a timeline, and like. Many times before the Seleucids, we all know who they are. Yes. <laughs> and so, and the, the and the uh, Tomatic kings, which is after Constantinople, uh, after Alexander the Great died, uh, he divided up his kingdom among different people. And Ptolemy, uh, he's the one who took the southern, like Egypt and Ethiopia, he conquered those folks, and he stayed at war. And since the Ptolemy had allied themselves with Rome. Antiochus, he was turned back and was beaten up by, you know, the, he was losing the battles against the Hebrews and the Jews. So on his way back to Syria, okay, now he's in Jerusalem and he's going back to Syria. Antiochus, he was like, man, he was angry, mad. <laughs> he was in a bad mood. So he ordered, once he got back to Syria, he ordered his guards to seize every Hebrew they can find and make them eat pork and food sacrificed to idols. Mm. Because at that time, the Hebrews, they did circumcisions. Yes. They did, uh, they worshiped certain times of the year, certain feasts, like Feast of the Tabernacle. We covered that. The Tabernacle, the Feast of the Trumpets. And yes. So we covered a lot of those different things. So uh, they were very um, true to their religion. And anyone, so the, so he said, anyone refusing to eat the pork or food that we given to those false idols, they would be tortured and killed. So what they did was they found an elderly priest, Eleazar, and he was brought to the king. Antichus, he wanted to convince the priest to eat pork so he wouldn't have to torture him. But Eleazar, he refused, saying he had never transgressed the law and didn't intend to start doing so now. So he was tortured until the guards were upset about it. They tortured that old man so bad that his torturers were upset. And they offered to him to, hey, man, just pretend to eat the food. Man, eat the pork. Just pretend to eat it, and we'll just stop torturing you. But Eleazar said, No, he refused to do that. And despite his age, he was able to withstand his captors and maintain his loyalty to the end. And he died a noble death. Well, it's interesting when we were talking about Jerome and Epiphanius um, earlier uh, during this Maccabean period. One of the things that when you talk about when we talk about the Council of Nicaea and, and other councils that change some of the canons of what we would read in our Bible, that same thing went on between Epiphanius and Jerome. They were going back and forth with letters talking about, at that time, they were called the originist. 
they considered themselves the original <laughs> scribes. So you can see yeah. that the the fight of, of for the canonization of materials that were in the Bible has all been ongoing. One of the things when you talked about Antiochus undaunted, he wanted to renew his efforts to find more Jews and threaten and torture them until death if they do not eat pork. Seven brothers were brought before him. He offered the same deal to them, to each brother in turn. Hey, eat this pork and I won't torture you. (laughs) Not only did they refuse, but they spent their waning breaths encouraging each other Mm. in defiance of the king. Could you imagine you getting your butt kicked because you wouldn't eat pork? Uh, uh, well, I won't go there. Is this real? <laughs> I won't go there. But what Y'all I was going to <laughs> But what is oh, amazing is, is how this is not funny. This is serious business. It here. is, but they were a, they were willing to die because it was against their faith. But they um, apparently their elderly mother was watching each of her sons in their final moments of being tortured and killed yes she's standing, she's standing right oh, there she's looking being tortured with that that broke her heart i'm oh, sure god when they were all gone maybe, she had to watch each one of them one by one seven sons and that and the thing about it it wasn't like he was doing it all at one time he took each one and asked each one to eat pork or be tortured and eventually die he ordered, Antiochus ordered that she be brought forward instead of lamenting the loss of her sons. She, like her children, spoke only of loyalty to God and defiance to the king. Mm. Uh, mothers, could you have handled that? Wow. My, me as a mother to see all my children tortured and dying and then i'm gonna come forward not sympathy or crying she says i stand with god Mm. at the end she ended her life before the soldiers could harm her in this way the violence of the king was defeated by these noble individuals Mm. they did not succumb to his evil nor did they compromise their values in turn they each demonstrated that devout reason is sovereign over emotions. Well, I just want to tell you, those are some saints. That's that's yes. where the word saints come in. And there's a reason why these books have been kept out of the Bible, because many people are saying that uh, it's okay to eat pork. Uh, yes. It's okay to eat, uh, even though Leviticus tells us our, uh, the dietary laws of the Hebrews and of the of the of the ancestors of Jesus, and those and Jesus followed that diet too. But then we said it changed, Peter came it, along, right. had a dream, and uh, and that dream was interpreted by many Christians that you can eat anything you want because the dream had a whole bunch of different animals in it. It could have been the, the people of different faith and religions. And, well, that's and what we what. Line upon line, precept upon precept, when you study, you find that they weren't talking about meat. They were talking about different folks of faith. Because all I can say, these men and that woman had faith in God enough. That they could lay down their life. That they refused to mm. give in to the, to the king. Wow. Refuse. So if our churches were teaching this in church, then pork prices would go down because people will stop. Might not be any, but anyway, (laughs) thanks. You want that pork chop now, huh? I'm so thankful that we stopped eating pork, fish with scales. uh, No, stop eating fish. I mean, with no scales. Right. Uh, Bottom feeders, bottom feeders like catfish and uh, eels, those are the ones that keep your ocean and your rivers clean along with your shrimp and your scallops and your lobsters. That's how your ocean stays clean because they're bought. They eat the waste of the sea. So the almighty was saying, don't eat that stuff. But 
I know for black folks, it was a moment of survival, especially during slavery days, because you weren't that's all you had nutritious. So you had to make a way where there was no way. So you and plus you didn't know who you were. You didn't know you didn't know your name uh, was uh, a Hebrew name or you didn't know your ancestors, your people. You were only taught what the slave masters and what people taught you. So you didn't know what the truth is. But you know what? You know now. And the truth shall set you free. We just said it. You know? We're going to jump over to second McAfee's. Oh, okay. The second McAfee's, you know. And it's, it's, uh, it's contrary to the first book because yes. the second book of McAfee's is a mix of fiction and history. Right. That's why you have to read this stuff and search it out. And you can verify it because it appears to be less valuable than the original McAfee one. Because it introduces information regarding the period leading up to the rebellion of the Maccabees between Matthias and follows it up to 161 BC. Also, there's some things in Second Book of Maccabees that they're mentioning, like Paris. They're mentioning locations like Paris. Wait a minute now. This is supposed to be written in the first and second century. Mm. What are y'all doing writing about Paris? Paris wasn't even a, a city then or even a continent. Or So there's things that... You have to have wisdom when you're studying these books so you can make a, a your own determination. But you want to know until you won't know unless you read it. So and also uh, the next one is like the book of Tobit. Yes. You know, Tobit, in our opinion, is a work of fiction, but it was popular amongst uh, Jews and early Christians. And it's a story of love and a legend by Jewish dispersions in Egypt. Because Jews were all over the place. And it was composed around the 3rd century B.C. and has been based on two renowned Egyptian tales. And the objective of this book was supposed to teach a valuable lesson in precisely the same time correct number of those that were superstitious. And it includes information about Raphael. He's prominently talked about in uh, the book of the second book of, I mean, not the second book, but the book of Tobit. Well, you know, you talk about uh, the writings as though it was a more of a storytelling, but you know, we do that today mm-hmm. in terms of Christian writers. We have uh, Rick Warren, mm-hmm. Max Lucado, uh, Joyce Myers, James Dobson. They read books that re left behind series. Exactly, everybody takes his gospel, right? And how you going to translate into the sky? So those books. So we're saying that to say that there are always going to be in history people who want to shed light upon the Word of God, and that's good. But I think in terms of the apocrypha, it fills in some of those gaps that the Bible may be missing. And if you're studying it, you will be able to know what is fiction and what is truth. Because really, as you're studying it, God's going to reveal through his Holy Spirit what's real and not real. One of the next books that I thought was very interesting is Bell and the Dragon. (laughs) And whenever we think about dragons, we're always thinking about somebody fire-breathing, kind of animal that's going to uh, that flies in the air but the it was composed about 100 bc and this narrative now here we're going to relate back to daniel shows daniel's wisdom in exposing the falsehood of idolatry and the people who promote it i mean that's so this book is basically around daniel's, daniel's time, time in and, persia right with meshach Amorak and Abednego. Abednego, right. So the book also shows the existence of Babylon as a dragon god. And, you know, many times in history and even now when we talk about the Bible and Revelation talks about the dragon coming forth and causing uh, the people to falter. So it's the same kind of um, imagery. Information concerning this idol is available from no other source. However, it is very relevant in light of dragon prophecies relevant relevant to places like scriptures like Revelation, for instance. Um, The first part concerns Baal. King Cyrus honors Daniel, and we know that happened in in that particular... He had much respect for 
because he was, Daniel was an honest man. He didn't eat the same foods as everyone did. And then God gave him the interpretation of dreams. But above all others, but he asks why Daniel doesn't worship the statue of Baal. Daniel says he doesn't worship false gods made by human hands, only the living God. However, Cyrus claims Baal is real because the food offered to him disappears every night, (laughs) presumably eaten by Baal. Daniel says God is superior. So, of course, you know, hey, let's have a face-off. We're going to see whose God is greater than, than yours. So they decided to set up, I guess, a series of tests between the priests and Daniel. If they can't prove Bell eats the food, they will be executed. Now, these are the priests. <laughs> you know, they were the <laughs> Because remember, if you don't have faith in God, you don't have faith in anything. And if you have faith in an idol, you know the idol can't do anything. Whereas if Daniel can't prove someone else is eating it, he will be executed. Food is placed in front of the idol of Baal. Then the room is sealed overnight. That means nobody's getting in or out. Mm-hmm. However, without telling the priest, Daniel has scattered ashes across the floor. The next morning, the food has been eaten. Cyprus begins to praise Baal. He praises his God until Daniel points out footprints in the ashes leading to a secret door in the wall. <laughs> the priest and their families have been sneaking in to eat the food. <laughs> Cyrus orders the priests and oh, their families God. killed and hands the idol over to Daniel to be destroyed. You see, that's when you know when you're on God's side, he gives you uh, intuition and and things to do because Daniel put the ashes down. That was the hocus pocus no. stuff. <laughs> he knew there was a secret room and you know those those uh, what like is it the, the, pyramids the or... castles and all oh, of yeah, that yeah, of yeah. old. They always had secret passages. So I think that's uh, a part of that story where you know um, God is is a character because he he's going to have some fun with that. Oh, you know, there's also there's a second part, the story of the dragon, where Cyrus tells Daniel to worship an actual dragon mm. or, you know, also could be interpreted as a serpent. Is that the same serpent that was the one that was messing around with Eve? Mm, maybe. So according to Cyrus, since the dragon is alive, it's superior to Baal and should be worshiped. However, Daniel's awesome. He says he will only worship God and says he can kill the dragon without weapons. <laughs> Cyrus agrees to let him try. So Daniel then poisons the dragon with a mixture of tar, hair, and fat. Must have been pork. And split open, <laughs> proving it can be an inferior being and not a god. Hmm. So in the story of the lion's den, that's the final part of the tale of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, and this time by Cyrus and not Darius, as in Daniel chapter six. All right. So that's a there's a difference right there from the Apocrypha, uh, the story of Bell and the Daniel and, and Daniel the in the Old Testament. Right. Yes. When the Babylonians uh, heard this, or you know the the Persians, they were angry and turned against the king because. The king has become a Jew, (laughs) they said, because he has destroyed Baal, killed the dragon, and put the priest to death. And they went to the king and demanded, hand Daniel over to us, or we will kill you and your family. Mm. So according to the story, Cyrus uh, gave in, and the people threw Daniel in the lion's den. And these lions were usually fed two corpses and two sheep a day. But they are denied this. They was hungry and left Daniel there for six days. However, the Almighty provides for Daniel through the prophet Habakkuk, whom he picks up by his hair and carries from Judah to Babylon to give Daniel bread and stew. Mm. Isn't that a story? Now, we know about Habakkuk. Y'all realize Habakkuk and Daniel, those are contemporary. Yes, they are. Sometimes we have to look at these folks in the Bible stories. You have to look at it being in a contemporary situation. So on the seventh day, Daniel is still alive. 
So Cyrus, he has to praise God. He releases Daniel, and he said he throws Daniel's accusers into the pit, and they got munched and crunched by those lions. Praise God. Well, Pastor, I know we want to kind of give into some more things, but we're going to take a short break and come right back, and we're going to lead in with the book of Judith. All right. You were made to live. Hi, I'm Cheryl Bolt. I met Pastor Gary Montgomery and his wife, JC, at Livingstones International while working here at Wave 94. I love Pastor Gary and JC. I love their hearts. I love their passion for the families who are affected by incarceration. Imagine how you would feel if you were unable to be with your children because of choices you now regret, choices that landed you in prison. We may never know the difference LSI, Livingstones International, is making for these families. What if LSI didn't have the funds to reach out to the children whose mom or dad or both were serving time? This is why I became a monthly LSI sponsor. Would you please consider giving to help support this important ministry? Give whatever God leads you to give as a one-time gift or as a monthly sponsor. Your giving will change lives and will encourage Pastor Gary and JC to continue the work they now are so committed to do. Go to their website, welivingstones.org, or Google Livingstones International Tallahassee and support this worthwhile ministry. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to curb my enthusiasm uh, in order so we this can get through the two-hour program. <laughs> yeah, we got to get through this. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to just keep it, you know, keep it to uh, to the script. Let me just say that maybe that's, all right. Keep it to my vest and try to just get through it because I always end and then we gotta go to a part two, three, and four. And uh, there's so many other things that we wanted to, we, the things that we search, research and want to be able to share with you. Yes. So let's talk about Judas. The book of Judas, it joins a story of success won by selected individuals over his enemies due to intervention of Judith. And it's a mystical tale of a priest that's reminiscent of Joan the Ark. Was ah, it Joan of the Joan Ark? Of Ark. Joan, Joan is of Ark. the Ark? Joan of Ark. Now, who's it? She's like a French lady, right? Yes, okay. who fought in the war, who was against oppression and uh, believed in her faith. And she, she actually said God told her to become so a warrior. So Judith is like Joan of the Ark of old. And, and she participated in outwitting and eventually slaying uh, Assyrians. And throughout bringing deliverance for her press Jews or Hebrews, men and women. And it was composed in Palestine through the latter half of the second century BC. And so that's, a, that's also another good book to, to read and to, to study. Well, you know, one of the others is Esther and we know Esther is already in the Bible, but this is a particular work that kind of comes um, at the end as well. This work, composed about 100 B.C., is made up of various developments to the biblical book of Esther, and the improvements have been added for detail and to compensate for a few of the spiritual deficiencies of this canonical uh, book. The additional verses significantly improve the apocalyptic nature of the narrative. And you know, when we say apocalyptic, we mean apocalypse, we mean end times, we mean revelation times, and deliver excellent symbolic comprehension to it, radically enhancing its connection to God. Of course, it's replete with dragons again, but you know, the <laughs> dragons are what we consider to be that alter ego of even ourselves when we're battling with God. Yes. And graphics remily, uh, are reminiscent of the most significant renters and personages involved with the last day war between Satan and Christ. 
The symbolism that attracts the book of Esther is a vital prophecy. So when we're, again, when we say line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible is not made to be read like a storybook from beginning to end. Yes, you can do that, but it's also a kind of a outline, a outline of, of what we need to be studying. Because one of the things I love about my study Bible, even though the Sefer, I've been getting involved with that because it's more based upon Hebrew. But my study Bible, I could stay on one verse for hours because within the study, within the verses are things that highlight other verses. And then you go to those verses and they highlight other verses. Then there's truths in there that they're trying to make known. And then there's also words that they're trying to give you a better understanding. So that I think the Apocrypha not only just fills in the gaps, but it also gives that connection between how, things are put together uh, this is uh interesting and then we have another book called barouche and barouche is significant because it was composed in the first century a.d and the assumed name of barouche is a secretary uh, he worked with the prophet uh, jeremiah, jeremiah. And so, you know, he talks about encouragement and gives sharp rebukes and, and uh, a couple of things. Baruch, this is during the time of uh, Babylon and the Persian king. And also when uh, uh, Jerachim, uh, who's the king of Jerusalem, um, he's the one that uh, lost the battle and they took, uh, they took, they destroyed the, the temple and they took everybody, Daniel and all those folks to uh, uh, Persia. Uh, so Baruch, you know, he was during that time period. You know, some of us say Barak. Barak? No, nah, this is like B-A-R-U-C-H. Yes, but then it Not could like be Not like Barak the president. It could be B-A-R-U-K. Oh. The Hebrew word, Barak Rashan. Ooh. Okay, but uh, you could say Baruch if you like. <laughs> I don't want to confuse it with the president, <laughs> the former president. <laughs> I want to rather say Baruch, uh, the secretary of Jeremiah. <laughs> All right. Well, one of the things that when you talk about, um, I'm going to say Barak, but when you say uh, that particular book of uh, Baruch or Barak, it was... Um, kind of a controversy or had a certain unity in the subject matter so much so that it was written in Hebrew, but it also was a composition and people are always saying, well, you know, well, that doesn't make it a canon because it, it, it people compiled it. But when you look at many of the sacred writers of what is commonly considered the Bible Many of them were compilers. They were taking the scripts and keeping them together, trying to make sure they were um, in order, making sure that they were written down. And so Baruch or Barak was known as one of those compilers of the Bible. Well, you know, Baruch is also mentioned in the book of Nehemiah in 3.20 and also uh, uh, in Nehemiah 10.6, we talked that Daniel was talked about in Jenatan and Baruch and also, uh, uh, you, know, you know, Jeremiah. He's, 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 he talks uh, throughout uh, um, the Bible and with many scriptures dealing with uh, Baruch. I'm getting a hand signal. Are we getting ready to close the program? Yes, no way. We are. No um, way. The rest of these were that we hadn't talked about were the books that were not included. So we could probably pick that up at the beginning of the next show. But yes, we're at the end, Pastor, and I thought maybe you'd like to close out in a quick prayer. Just to say that we're offering this information to you so you can do your own study and find that what God is leading to leading you to will ultimately get you to understand and know the word of God. And through your discernment, you know, there's God's discernment, the devil's discernment, and then man's discernment, but your own discernment, you just trust that God will lead you um, through the Holy Spirit to find the truth. Oh, God, grant your people with gifts of discernment, intuition, insight, 
and the ability to separate truth from fiction. God, may the gift of miracles find us living in appreciation of the miraculous powers and present in our daily lives because we yes. need you. Help your people with your gifts and mentor them and serve so they can serve as a spiritual guide. Yes. Because it's all about you, not us. Father, I just ask that you just hold and keep us with us, says the Lord. If you want to hear about the Stone Builders, uh, you can uh, write us at uh, www.welivingstones.org or reach out to us at 850-219-0091 and become a Stone Builder uh, with a $25 monthly donation and we will be happy to send you a t-shirt. Praise God. So, you know, we, we, we're having fun. We just love the Lord. JC and I, we just love the Lord. And we just thank God for allowing us to have a platform to share his good news. All right. So stay tuned. Come back. And we will be on the next road of Bible study. Praise God. Next week. Peace out. Yes.